0: Do you remember the good old days when all you had to worry about was getting your homework done and getting home before curfew? Before you had to worry about jobs, projects, working, when you could long for a summer vacation and a winter break? Well, this is the podcast for when you realize that life can be hard. Hold on one moment. (sighs) Finally, he's gone. Last thing I need to hear is him plugging another podcast. Come take a listen to my show, "Adulting Ain't Easy," every other Wednesday on the Journey Into Comics Network. The following, the following journey into comics, journey into comics, journey into comics, journey into comics, journey into comics network, 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 network production, production. ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. This is episode 31 of Poor 360. Before I get started with this week's episode, I want to thank uh, everyone who listened to last week's show. It was a great episode. We got to dive into a lot with what's going on in the political world. It was great to have Nate here as uh, as my guest. Nice unofficial 100th episode. It was, just, it was just made for a great, nice long episode, so I encourage anyone who's curious about the Democratic candidates so they just kind of want to know what's been going on lately touch about gun control get a little teaser before the upcoming voice survival episode on gun control which I think will be this Friday definitely uh, stay, go listen to that before listening to the next voice survival but yeah it was just a great episode and it um, kind of really just a, a, a fun week and lots of going on that happened over the course of the weekend but now we're back and this is Another episode, episode thirty-one. There's not going to be going into uh, politics stuff. I know there was some uh, some major events and the stuff I that were thought. There's the whole the Jeffrey uh, Epstein thing that's worth talking about, but I think it's going to be talked about enough probably between Bob Casher and some of the other guys, and it might come up again on Voice Survival, and we might touch on it on next week's show, but that's still yet to be determined. But this week I just want to talk about something that I find kind of annoying. It may be an unpopular opinion, which I know is kind of Tyler shtick, but I think it's worth bringing up. And that's something I've noticed a lot, especially the past couple weeks between people making posts on Facebook about it, to seeing it in department stores. And that is how it is still the relatively beginning of August, and people are, like, full on into Halloween. I don't get it. Like, I don't know why you need... Like, whether it needs to be like Halloween's have gone at Disney, why people need to, need to like, oh, we gotta get costumes, we gotta have this, that, let's talk about Nightmare before Christmas, let's do this, let's go see, like, all the shops that have this, let's go get our Halloween decorations. It is August. You need to calm down. It is ridiculous. Like, I don't know where this actually kind of came into existence. I don't know if it involved. I know it's like all the holidays. They just want to get this stuff out ahead of time because people are more likely to buy it when they see it more often. Like, I was just in Menards the other day, and I could literally buy a full-size Pennywise the Clown to put in my yard. Like, why would I do that? I don't know. But it's still August. It's not even September yet. Calm down. Like, we are even seeing like... Even, like, when we got groceries today, we uh, saw they had, like... See, Matt, Octoberfest is now in stock. But I know that stuff, they've probably finished making it in the summer. They just gotta get it out there. And Liz was telling me, like, Octoberfest is kind of starts in September. So it it is what it is. But... I don't know. That's just something that I just... Annoys me when people get so obsessed with a certain holiday. They feel the need to celebrate it year round. Like it's, it always seems to be Halloween. Like, love Christmas people. Like people sometimes will put Christmas tree up and Christmas lights up like the day after Halloween. But it seems like Halloween's the one that's like people want to celebrate it year round. I don't know if people just like the colors. They like the music. I don't know. We even consider Halloween music, but like the decor. People that are emo at heart or maybe didn't have enough time in their scene phase to really put any but I don't get it. I, I honestly don't. I wish I did, but it just seems weird that like we were like like you know someone like ranting on Twitter about how when they got stuff from like Joanne Fabrics or another like like ho- hobby Lobby or some some kind of like craft store they got Holly and the person working there was like kept asking why they were putting stuff up so early. Until so I'm like just mind their own business. I'm like, I'd honestly want to do like Who's, like, unless it's on, like, usually people buy a bunch of Halloween stuff, like, right after Halloween's over when it's all, like, crazy cheap. Like, that's when everyone gets Halloween candies, like, November 1st. Get all the Halloween candy you can fit in your basket, just, like, after Valentine's Day. But I don't know, it seems like we always jump from the big decoration gift-giving holidays. Like, basically, as soon as... Halloween's over, we're going to see Christmas stuff, and Christmas candy, and Christmas decorations, and Christmas trees, and all that. And then as soon as Christmas winds down, then it's Valentine's Day with the hearts, and the candies, and all of that. And then when... After Valentine's Day, I think it kind of... They kind of put out all of the summer stuff. Like, get your grills, get your pool rafts, get your swimsuits, and then... Repeat cycle. Then I think it goes back to, like, back to school, slash Halloween. Like, that's kind of what we see now at, like, department stores. Back to school, Halloween it's like, you your back-to-school Halloween costume, everyone. Like, I, I, it baffles me. I don't get it. I don't know. I Maybe it's just me feeling like a crutchy old man, but I, I just don't see the need to decorate for Halloween, especially in August. Like, maybe when I have kids it'll be different, because kids, you kind of have to get the kids ready, kind of want to maybe decorate your house a little something special to for the trick-or-treaters. Like, literally last year on Halloween, I was grilling salmon... In my, front, in my driveway, because my patio was still kind of under construction a little bit. And I had a candy bowl next to the grill, and kids came up, I gave them candy, and I kept doing what I was doing until I was done, and then I went inside. And, I mean, I was in, like, comfy clothes. I don't think I'll, know if I'll ever get to the point where, like, Liz and I will dress up and wait out trick-or-treaters or scare them, or... Like, yeah, we dress up and we'll do, like, couples costumes when we go to parties, but it's never this big spectacle that needs, like... You don't need to celebrate, like, eight nights of Halloween. It's not Hanukkah, but I don't know. It's, I'm sure it's just people just want an excuse to dress a certain way, act a certain way, party a certain way, and I, I, I don't know. I feel like I don't want this episode to be a ranty episode. It's just, some of that just kind of bothers me is, like, how it always has to be a day of celebration. And it seems that the more people do it, the earlier this stuff's going to start. It's like, remember when um, people were complaining so much about Black Friday, but people are going to keep going after those sales, doing the door busters, going out at 4 p.m. on Thanksgiving Day, and they're just going to keep, it's all about marketing and the almighty dollar with how these things happen. So I guess if people are going to buy Halloween decorations on October 15th, then you're going to, they're going to have it for you on October 15th, It's like, well, it sells, why would we not? I guess pretty soon we're going to see the party city... Not the party city. Like, the Halloween city and the... All, like, the little costumes that pop up in empty storefronts. Which always has, like, the crazy costumes and the crazy yard decorations. And I've gone there. Like, you can always get, like, a presidential face or a creepy mask or something. Or sometimes the presidential face is a creepy mask. Because why not? It's the world we live in. But, I don't know. I just... I don't understand the obsession with holidays outside of the season. Like, I don't want to think about Halloween... Until mid October, I don't want to hear Christmas carols until December first. Like I don't. Let me get through the previous holiday before you put another like. Let me get through Labor Day before I hear about Halloween. Like, just keep it more condensed. Keep it more confined is all I'm saying. And I honestly don't think how I can actually rant much more. So I think I should pivot. This shouldn't be the the main focus of the episode. I was we'll planning on just ranting about that, but I'm not going to rant on. My, how I feel about holidays for a half hour. That's just not okay. And I'm going on this right after we finish the adulting episode, which we're going to listen to tomorrow. But I'm trying to think what else is worth talking about. Here we go. Let's talk about this. This is a good kind of transition. It's something that I've been dealing with since I've really been back from vacation. This is the the never-ending to-do list. I think it's something that we kind of have to deal with a lot, especially adults Adults who own property, adults who have, like, a full-time job and other things they need to accomplish. Like, I have a list that I have on my phone that I keep adding to and taking stuff off of. Since I created, like, I think at the airport on our way back when I was thinking about stuff I needed to get done, it seems like always get sidetracked by one thing or another. And as soon as you finish a couple of the lists, you end up adding ten more. And I think that's just the nature of a to-do list. It's like the list of books you want to read or the books you've bought that you want to read. It just, it never ends. By the time you think you accomplish enough you end up adding so many more like i'm like oh i'm gonna get yard work done this past weekend well saturday we end up doing some more work on the bathroom remodeling sunday the weather decided not to cooperate and then like oh maybe i'll do it monday night and then sunday night our uh, our fridge decided to go out so my friday night involved putting all of my food from the fridge into the coolers cleaning the fridge, trying to get it back up and running, moving the stuff from my fridge to my freezer because the fridge wasn't working, but the freezer was keeping the food at about a fridge temperature. Then miraculously, after I called in a service technician to work on it, overnight it decided to resolve itself, and then everything that was in my fridge, that would be what I put in my freezer, decided to freeze solid. So, like, frozen eggs, frozen tomatoes, things that shouldn't be frozen were frozen. Like, frozen bottle of ketchup, frozen thing of, like, dressing. It's just, it's awkward, and now it's all, like, thawing back to normal in the in the freezer, but it... It's, uh... It was interesting and kind of unexpected. But that brings us, um... around to this Lady of 2 list, and I think... I don't know if it... It helps us to... Maybe, like... Maybe make smaller lists. I'm thinking that's something that I need to kind of work on, is that... Also, I always put everything, like, when accomplished. Like, oh, I need to, uh... Clean this in the attic, or I need to uh, move this item, I need to, like, like, the big item do list, like, the seasonal things you should do, like, big thing was, like, oh, I need to get my, my backyard garden hose hooked up, because I got the front one up, but I don't have too much need for it in the backyard, but the hose and everything's sitting in my basement, it just needs to come up and go in its place. I also need to, like, oh, clean the gutters, and get weeds pulled, that's just all these things you keep adding to the list, and it's like, when you have a full-time job, middle of a remodel, you just don't have that extra time. And when you do think, oh, I can get it done tonight, things can happen. Like, oh, I was going to get stuff done last night. But then, as soon as the fridge goes down, like, well, that's priority one. You can't just let your food sit there and spoil in the in the fridge. Luckily, we didn't have groceries, so that's the nice plus. But it's just, I don't know what it is about these, like the never-ending to-do list. You just... I think it's just like one of the, it's like the honeydo do list. Like sometimes I feel like I need to take like a week off from work to get everything knocked off my do list. And I even think then it wouldn't be enough. Like I've been meaning to get um, electrical for uh, my uh, my sh- the light in the shower done for a few weeks now, which is finding a time to get all the layers on when how hot it's been. Get up in the attic to uh, to get um, to run the wire to get it all hooked up. And, yeah, it's just, it's it's a struggle to try and get these things done. And I have stuff I want to do down in my little uh, my little fish area in the basement where I've been moving some tanks around. I kind of want to get uh, things set up. And it's just find the time, like, after a full day of work, after you have everything else on this list that you want to accomplish, just find the time. Because, you know, you're like, oh, I get off, I'll get home around 5, and then I can get this stuff done before I go to bed. And then it's like, look around again, and it's like, oh, it's 9 o'clock. I really don't have that kind of time like I thought I did. So that kind of brings it to, like, how we can try and maybe look at our to-do list as, like, bite-sized pieces as opposed to this massive list that you're always going to add to and take away from it's always going to get longer and longer and longer and then you're going to have to just prioritize and see what you can accomplish at the time. But I think that's just a good way to look at it. I think um, as we were kind of going back to school and getting back into routines, that's something to keep in mind as you're, like, moving forward just to how to, like, how you can bite-size your to-do list to accomplish chunks. It's like how when you're like you're struggling to accomplish a big task, that putting sometimes putting smaller tasks that you can finish more quickly can help uh, improve your motivation, kind of get things more things done that way. Now uh, pivoting once again, this is gonna kind of be a, a, a multi-topic episode because um, I didn't, unlike the 100th episode, unlike the episode 30 with Nate, that I kind of had some bullet points and kind of some to play off to pull the conversation. Then I'm kind of back in my uh, my own space here, not having a formal agenda because you're thinking a topic is going to take the full episode. You kind of got to kind of got to uh, kind of move around as needed to get some uh, get content out, and get something that's actually worth listening to. So let's jump over to kind of some news that's going on. Um, just the nature of the thing is uh, all right. Let's uh, let's talk about this. These are two things that aren't quite politics, but I think are worth discussing. And if any of you are like me, you definitely like your animals. You definitely have a little bit of environmental conversation in your head there. But two things I saw today that I uh, I think are worth discussing. And this involves, this partially involves the Trump administration, partially involves just being a responsible pet owner and kind of dealing with how the environment's kind of doing things. So one thing that the U.S did today um, or not today but recently is that they have significantly weakened the Endangered Species Act so the Trump administration actually today did this they announced that they, it would change the way the Endangered Species Act is applied, significantly weakening the nation's bedrock conservation law and making it harder to protect wildlife from the multiple threats posed by climate change the new rules will make it easier to remove a species from the endangered list and weaken protection for threatened species, the classification one step below endangered And for the first time, regulators would be allowed to conduct economic assessments, for instance, estimating lost revenue from a prohibition on logging in a critical habitat when deciding whether a species warrants protection. Critically, the changes would also make it more difficult for regulators to factor into the effects of climate change on wildlife when making those decisions because those threats tend to be decades away, not immediate. Overall, the revised rules are very likely to clear the way for new mining, oil, and gas drilling. And development in rural areas where protected species live. Interior Secretary David Bernhardt said the changes would modernize the Endangered Species Act, which is credited with rescuing the bald eagle, the grizzly bear, and the American alligator, from the brink of extinction. An increased transparency in its application, the act's effectiveness rests on clear, consistent, and efficient implementation, he said in a statement Monday. The noodles are expected to go into effect next month. Environmental groups, Democratic State Attorney General, and Democrats in Congress denounced the changes and vowed to challenge them in Congress and in the courts. Mara Healy, the Attorney General of Massachusetts, called the changes reckless, said states would do everything we can to oppose those actions. Senator Tom Udall of New Mexico, the top Democrat on the committee that oversees the Interior Department's budgets, said Democrats were considering invoking the Congressional Review Act, a 1996 law that gives Congress broad authority to invalidate rules, established by federal agencies to block the changes. The Native Species Act has been regulators' most powerful tool for protecting fish, plants, and wildlife ever since it was signed into law by President Richard M. Nixon in 1973. The Peregrine Falcon, the Humpback Whale, the Tennessee Purple Coneflower, and the Florida Manatee all would very likely have disappeared without it, scientists say. Republicans have long sought to narrow the scope of the law, saying that it burdens landowners, hampers industry, and hinders economic growth. Mr. Bernhardt, a former oil and gas lobbyist, wrote in an op-ed last summer that the act places unnecessary regulatory burden on companies. They also make the case the law is not reasonable because species are rarely removed from the list. Since the law was passed, more than 6- 1,250 have been listed as threatened or endangered, while just 47 have been delisted because their populations rebounded. Over the past two years, Republicans made a major legislative push to overhaul the law. Despite holding a majority in both House and Congress, though... Oh, besides hold it, Despite holding a majority in both houses of Congress, though, the proposal was never taken up in the Senate. With Democrats now in control of the House, there is little chance of those bills passing. The Trump administration's revisions to the regulations that guide the implementation of the law, however, mean opponents of the Naderstries Act are still poised to claim their biggest victory in decades. Among the most controversial changes are the limitations on the ability to, of regulators to take climate change into consideration when making listing assessments. David J. Hayes, who served as a Deputy Interior Secretary under President Barack Obama, and is now Executive Director of the State Energy and Environmental Impact Center at the New York University School of Law, so the changes would straight the scientists to take climate change out of consideration when determining how to best protect wildlife. A recent Nations assessment some environmentalists noted has warned that human pressures are poised to drive one million species into extinction, and that protecting land and biodiversity is critical to keep greenhouse gas emissions in check. Climate change, a lack of environmental stewardship, and mass industrialization have all contributed to the enormous expected global nature loss United Nations report said. Another contentious change removes long-standing language that prohibits the consideration of economic factors when deciding whether a species should be protected. Under the current law, such determinations must be made solely based on science, without reference to possible economic or other impacts of determination. Gary Fraser, the Assistant Director for Endangered Species with the United States Fish and Wildlife Service, said that phrase had been removed for reasons of transparency. He said the changes leaves open the possibility of conducting economic analysis for informational purposes, but that decisions about listing species would still be based exclusively on science. Environmental groups saw a danger in that there can be economic cost to protecting endangered species, Said Drew Caputo, a vice president of litigation for lands, wildlife, and oceans at Earth Justice and Environmental Law Organizations. But he says if we make decisions based on short term economic costs, we're going to have a whole lot more extinct species. The new rule also gives the government significant discretion in deciding what is meant by the term foreseeable future. That's a semantic change with far reaching implications because it enables regulators to disregard the effects of extreme heat, drought, rising sea levels, and other consequences of climate change that may occur several decades from now. When questioned about the change and its implications in the era of climate change, Mr. Fraser said the agency wanted to avoid making speculative decisions far into the future. Among the animals at risk from this change, Mr. Creel listed few. Polar bears and seals that are losing crucial sea ice, whooping cranes whose migration patterns are shifting because of temperature changes, and beluga whales who will have to dive deeper and longer to find food in a warmer Arctic. Representative Rob Bishop of Utah, the top Republican on the House Natural Resources Committee, applauded the changes, saying that the native sweeping gas has have become a political weapon instead of a tool to protect life under the Obama administration. These final revisions are aimed at enhancing interagency cooperation, clarifying standards, and removing inappropriate one-size-fits-all practices. Eric Melito, Mil- a vice president at the American Petroleum Institute, a trade group representing the oil and gas industry, also praised the new rule, said the changes would reduce duplicative and unnecessary regulations so it definitely sounds like something that's not ideal definitely not something that we would hope would be thing and i hope despite these changes that we're still able to maintain kind of a read this article uh sorry it's one of those you gotta be a subscriber to actually read it um so definitely with regards to that if you want to be mindful of kind of the um kind of the environment, how everything is being perceived. So hopefully with all these changes in place that we don't end up seeing um a loss in life and more animals added to the species to the endangered species list or any that actually do go extinct. We definitely want to keep the animals that are alive now thriving and we don't see any more animals added to the endangered list or at worst added to the extinct species list. And speaking more of animals, this one kind of gets closer to home, and that involves what involving baby keeping your dogs out of natural bodies of water for the time being. So a North Carolina woman took her three dogs to play uh, in a pond. Within hours, her pups had died from toxic algae. A played eight in North Carolina pond turned tragic after three pups died from toxic algae. Now the owners say they hope their loss will educate fellow dog lovers about the dangerous blooms. Melissa Martin and Denise Mintz took their beloved dogs Abby, Izzy, and Harpo to a pond in wilmington on thursday night to cool off but within 50 minutes of leaving the pond Abby, a west highland terrier began to have a seizure martin rushed her to a veterinary hospital with izzy and harpo right behind her upon their arrival izzy also Westie started seizing and both terriers rapidly declined then Harper, her six-year-old doodle mix therapy dog began to seize and show signs of liver failure by midnight friday all three dogs had died the culprit martin's veterinary said was poisoning from blue green algae present in the pond where they played what started out as a fun night for them has ended in the biggest loss of our lives, Martin wrote in a Facebook post that has since been shared more than 15,000 times. Martin told CNN she didn't notice the algae at first, but eventually told her that what appears to be debris from flowers were blooms of cyanobacteria. She said she didn't see any signs warning of toxic algae near the pond, which sits next to a popular walking trail. It's her mission now, she says, to erect signs about toxic waters and warn pet owners about the blooms. I will not stop until I make positive change, she said. I will not lose my dogs for nothing. Blooming algae is most common in the summer. Toxic algae blooms are most likely to infest bodies of fresh water when the water is warm and waters are stagnant, according to the North Carolina Department of Health and Human Services. Some algal blooms leave a film of muck on the surface and make the water ruddy, um, but others are difficult to immediately detect, such as the blooms in the pond where Martin's dogs were exposed. There's no cure for the poisoning, and exposure nearly always leads to death in dogs. Drinking from a body of water where blue can algae lurks or licking it off fur can kill a dog within 50 minutes of exposure, according to Blue Cross for Pets, a UK animal charity. The North Carolina Department of Environmental Quality periodically updates a map of the state where algae blooms have been reported, but in the case that a health notice isn't posted, it's best for humans and pets alike to avoid waters that smell bad or look odd in color or murky, the state's Health and Human Services Department said. And actually, before this, I, I knew about the toxic algae bloom. we saw, like in near um the gulfs like, that were like these red algae blooms were causing uh dead zones where sea life were just dying and washing up on the shore and just creating more problems i actually learned about cyanobacteria through actually through kind of the the fish keeping hobby because that's something that can happen in aquariums obviously the same environment you have a freshwater area you have Warm water because you're heating it. You have sometimes you have segment water if the filtration's not well enough, and you can see blue-green algae start to form. And obviously, um, through some uh, remedies of you can fix that, but that's still something that can be toxic to the the life in there as well as yourself if you end up uh, ingesting that water through any means. So definitely something to be mindful of if you have pets and you do go to bodies of water like if your dog work has a pond or if you take your dogs to the beach. Just things to keep in mind that if you see something that looks weird, if it smells weird, you might want to avoid taking your dogs there just for their health and your health and just to make sure everything moves forward. And I know I've been kind of jumping around on this week's episode, so I think I'm going to wrap it up for today. It's been, uh, it's been an interesting episode 31. Uh, I think I'm going to dive into definitely some more, uh, politicalness, be- <laughs> politicalness, political news, um, that has been coming about lately. And we'll, uh, We'll have a great episode next week, but for now, that is Poor360 for this week. I am Andrew Poor. You guys have a great week. You've been listening to Poor360. You can find us on the socials at Poor360 on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can find us and all the other podcasts on our network at journeyintocomics.com or early access at patreon.com slash journeyintocomics. You can find us on all podcasting platforms like CastBox, Podbean, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, and many others.